This is the Loy Logic Podcast, where we help make sense of the biggest challenges facing loyalty program leaders today. Welcome to the show. I'm your host, Austin Clark. And to some extent, that's where the impact of loyalty schemes is going on the loyalty scheme is how do you deal with customers staying longer on the focal? Then what is the kind of behavior you want to reward them? And the second thing is how do you relate that on-site interaction with what is happening and what is happening when the customers are feeling at their home? Those are the wise words of Olivier Martinet, CEO of Posidonia Consulting former Executive Vice President of Marketing at BP and General Expert in all things loyalty. For this episode of the Logic podcast, Olivier joins me to delve into the future of large-scale fuel rewards programmes, focusing on the challenges programmes face and what's driving the rethinking of customer retention and incentivised engagement strategies. Together, we'll uncover the intricacies of fuel company loyalty programmes, discuss current best practice, look into the how the conversion to electric vehicles will challenge current thinking and fuel curiosity around the regions or brands that could lead the way in this transition. Olivier, it's great to have you with us. Nice to be on the show, Austin. Nice to be joining you. That's great. Thank you. So to dive straight in, in your opinion, what are currently the best-in-class fuel rewards propositions around the world and what sets them apart? That's a good question. And maybe I won't answer that directly. Because at, at the end of the day, there's one thing I really don't believe in is that there is a best-in-class program. Basically, all programs or success of a program is very much depending on the fit between the program as it is uh, with the company, the company strategy, but also the readiness of a company to be using it. To some extent, the, the best-in-class aspect is having the right program for a company, for a company's uh, targets, and for what that company is able to do with and engage customers. Yes, so it's probably not directly answering your question, but I guess it's a key feature about the thinking and how I've been approaching all these schemes for the last 30 years. So your approach there then is, is very much kind of steering away from the one-size-fits-all strategy and, and looking at a case-by-case basis. Yes, absolutely. The KPIs I'm looking into uh, to decide what is the, you know, where we should go. The first one is around ease to participate. And when I'm saying this is ease to participate on both sides. It's from a consumer angle, but also from a retailer or partner uh, point of view. The second one, the second lens is around the relevance. How relevant is the program as a consumer on the receiving end, but also how relevant is this program to my strategy, to how I'm going to be engaging customers going forward. The third lens is personalization. And when I'm saying personalization is what is the right level of personalization? You know, are we talking to groups? Are we talking to segment of one? And this is very highly depending on the capabilities you know, which you, you have as a company in terms of what are you going to be doing with the data? How are you going to be engaging the customers? How far have you gone on the digitalization journey? And how smart are you with analyzing the data of your customer base? And the last dimension I'm looking into is the profitability. Or when I'm saying this is I'm more thinking of financial sustainability of a scheme. Because one thing is you are not, as a company, entering into loyalty 
for the next two weeks, this is for the long run, and therefore you bloody need to make sure that you can sustain this financially in the long run, and, and not going to be forced to deceive your customers, you know, five, six, seven years down the road by decreasing uh, the advantage you have been giving to them. These are the four lenses I'm always looking into to try to find the right balance uh, between customer advantage and what the company or, or my clients can do with that scheme and how far we can push the personalization journey. That's really interesting, Olivier. And how common is it that you come across an organization, a brand, a company, whatever you want to call it, that shares that vision, that, that is able to look at its loyalty and rewards through those same lenses? To some extent, it's very depending on the company you are talking to. Because if you are talking about a company who is in one market, covering one, it's very unfrequent that you would be looking into these four lenses. Because basically, very often, you, you find those really focusing on how relevant the offer can be for customers and how much you know, digitalization can you put in uh, through the system. But if you start getting into some other companies who are you know, managing schemes across the globe, 20 different countries or, or more, four or five different continents, that's where very often you can find some of this approach because basically you always need, and this was where I was coming from in my former job, this was where you need to balance how much you are giving to the customers to your targets uh, in terms of personalization, but also to some kind of managing uh, some kind of consistency in the approach for your brand. Absolutely, yeah, that, that does make sense. And I think my, my logical next question there is, you've got these four lenses, and, and what challenges are rewards loyalty program owners facing? What's driving any rethinks of, of the strategy and, and how people kind of regard and, and look at their, their loyalty programs? Very often what is forcing the, the rethinking is the digitalization of it, basically, is having coming in with a mobile application and then kind of suddenly saying, here is the ta-da moment for our customers. And where basically you start realizing that to be getting there, you need to be upgrading your IT. You need to be making sure about how you're going to be dealing with your consumer data. What are you going to be doing it in? What is the analytical solution you're going to be applying to it? And then what are the use cases you're going to be applying to it? Very often what I see is that companies would go through part of this process and would start getting into, okay, my use case for this, obviously, is I need to talk to my customers. I'm going to be communicating to my customers because that's a marketing tool. I need to do this. And very often, what I you know, what I see missing is that comms or marketing, even on a on a segment of one, is only one part of the value which a, a loyalty scheme can generate. Because the number of use cases which can come from the data arising from your privileged customer base is much wider, and it can go into very strategic things. You know, like category management, if you are a retailer, like what are your pricing policies? How, where are you going to be investing? What is the range or the assortment you're going to be offering to customers in what site, et cetera, et cetera, which are much, I would say, wider use cases than in bracket only looking at the marketing side. Obviously, the marketing side to some extent is the 
bread and butter, because that's where, and that's, you know, what is making sure that your customer base keeps loyal in the scheme, keeps coming back, keeps kind of generating the income, but also generating the data you're after. And then the, I would say the capability or the added benefit is all of the rest. And that's where, to some extent, a loyalty scheme is not only a marketing tool, it's also a, a privileged data provider for companies to be kind of using and adapting their strategy in the long term. Sure. So it's fair to say that it is more than marketing. Yes. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, basically, I, I always have, a, and I know people who know me for quite some time would know where I'm coming from. I always say, you know, loyalty scheme shouldn't be left only to loyalty managers. It should be sitting at the boardroom table. And it's, it's where it which honestly should be sitting, not so much about you know, the engagement part and the marketing part, but for all of the rest, which is kind of also getting into the long-term benefits of launching and participating into a loyalty scheme. One question I've got to ask you, given we're talking about fuel, is where does the, the shift to electric vehicles come into play here? I guess it's an indirect impact. The thing is the shift to EV is a strategic shift for fuel retail, for networks. And we see all of, not all, but most of the companies working on shifting, on on moving away from being a fuel or let's say a fuel provider to becoming an energy provider. So that's a fundamental strategic shift, which is happening to most of the fuel retailers. To some extent, that's the driver. That means, though, that there are going to be some adaptation required to the loyalty scheme. So it's more of a consequence of the strategic shift which needs to happen, which obviously will need to be impacting the schemes at some point in future. Okay, so in London, as in many other cities around the world, we're seeing the creation of mobility hubs they're about more than fuel. It's about enjoying time there to have a good cup of coffee, maybe do some shopping. So how is that impacting fuel loyalty? Because it will impact the overall offer to the consumer, it will need to impact loyalty. Basically, there's a fundamental shift here, which is to say, in the past, you had customers coming as major or, or number one destination point was to fill up. And please get me in, get me out as quickly as possible, and by the way, as cheap as possible. And if on my way in and out, you can sell me some other stuff, you know, being impulse items, coffee, facts, da, 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 fine. The thing is that EV will force for longer. There are two things which will impact, I would say, the EV will impact uh, the loyalty scheme. The first one is it will force the customers to stay longer on the forecourt because, you know, there's a charging time, which means it's less of loyalty. It's you then get into, you know, how can I make sure as a customer that when I'm getting to a site, I will be able to charge, I will be able to get some coffee or kind of make sure that the 10, 15, whatever, 20 minutes I'm going to be there are also going to be very valuable. That's one thing, basically. The second thing is, how does this relate to me charging my EV when I'm home? Because at the end of the day, for uh, an EV to be financially attractive to customers, 
one of the big underlying things is that the, hmm, a big share of the charging should happen at your own host. And to some extent, that's where the impact of loyalty schemes is going on, on the loyalty scheme is how do you deal with customers staying longer on the forecourt? Then what is the kind of behavior you want to reward them? And the second thing is how do you relate that on-site interaction with what is happening, what is happening when the customers are feeling at their home? Do you therefore see fuel companies becoming energy companies? Or that's, for... that's what we are claiming. You know, yeah. Look into what BP or Shell are claiming. They're absolutely, Total is doing the same thing. Yeah. You know, they are very much claiming to be a future energy company, energy provider for mobility. Yeah, that's a good way of putting it, isn't it? And is there a case there that we'll see more collaboration between fuel companies and other energy providers? It's very depending, you know, you can see already things happening. You can see already that there are partnerships happening with, uh, between electric companies, ex-oil companies, energy companies. You can see also that the BPs and the Shells and Totals are investing highly in alternative energy, being solar, being uh, wind, et cetera, et cetera. And to some extent, that's, that's something which is already happening. Whether then you are going to see, you know, some of the ex big companies joining up forces in future, in the long term, probably yes. Uh, is it happening? Is it going to happen in the short term? Honestly, I have no clue. I would suspect not, because you still have, uh, you know, the weight of the oil production and, and, and distribution, which is still driving significant value for the shareholders. So it's not in the short term, but in the long term, you know, probably yes. Yeah, that, that, that's interesting. But that's me guessing, you know, it's, <laughs> it's probably more for evening, you know, beer conversation. <laughs> if only we knew, Olivier, we'd be richer yeah, than, than we are now, yes. for sure. Yes. yes. Does this changing landscape of, of loyalty mean that you've touched on it kind of a little bit earlier? Does it require more personalization of rewards now as well and a greater choice of rewards? There's a long term trend anyway, which is or hyper-personalization, or, or getting to segment of one. And obviously, you know, the digitalization is forcing this into a conversation. So, yes, you're there. But at the same time, there's also a very clear thing is to say, don't make it too complicated for the customer. So it's probably, if you are on the earned side, you know, keep it as simple as possible. Make it very understandable for customers. You don't need to start, you know, kind of creating tiers to make achieve something which only complicates the conversation. Probably focus more on the burn part on giving a wide choice of options for customers. And that's where, to some extent, the attractiveness of a scheme is happening. Is what how big is the choice? And to some extent, is give the customer the choice of where they want how they want to burn and don't force them to do it in a limited, limited way, basically. That's where from, I, I was like, talking about key features of scheme, that's probably where I would focus. Then the rest being personalization comes on top of burning is how much more are you offering to customers? And when I'm saying this, you have some schemes who are saying, or some offers not in oil, but basically saying, if you are part of a loyalty scheme, your customer journey on site is going to be much more simplified. You have privileged access to a cashier, quick in and out. Starbucks is one of these examples for this. You, know, you can also 
money can't buy experience, et cetera, et cetera. So there is this earn and burn being the traditional thing, but how much more can you personalize to the customer's aspiration, lifestyle, in terms of getting rewarded or getting some kind of benefits or recognition out of participating into that scheme? Yeah, and does that then also bring into play the possibility for programs to look at profit margins and kind of use innovative ways to burn points through, I don't know, raffles, the kind of play model, etc.? It's absolutely part of, to some extent, is the worst thing for a scheme is to have customers sitting on a big amount of points and not or points or value or currency, whatever it is, basically, and not being very clear about what they're going to be doing with it. That's, to some extent, the worst of what you can do. And therefore, you know, there's always a, a balance to be done in terms of Yes, obviously, I need as a brand to have part of my customers come back to me to get rewarded because to some extent I want to create this link between me and them as saying, you know, if you get rewarded, I also, I'm part of a reward also. That's, that's an important one. But it's, I would say that's your core. And what do you build on top of it to be kind of opening options for the customers in terms of freedom of burning or you know, using their, their currency uh, on top, basically. And that's where, indeed, you know, you will have some customers say, you know, I absolutely need to have a partnership with a supermarket. Some others will say, yeah, you know, absolutely, I, I, I love the gamification part of it. Some others say, I want to pick from my computer from the website. I want to pick the reward. You know, I've been always dreaming and want this to be delivered to my home. So you have all of these options which needs to be offered to the consumers. Absolutely. So coming back to the, the whole development of thinking around electric vehicles, are there any regions or, or brands that you think could go first in this transition? Are, are any leading the way? It's the usual suspects, obviously. You know, you, you're going to have Europe, UK, part of US. They're going to be, you know, because to some extent the legislation is forcing the OEMs to be electrifying cars, basically. If you are talking about, oh, I want by 2030 or by 2035 to only sell electric cars, for example, which is, you know, part of what we've seen in UK or in Europe, this means that, you know, the adaptation will need to happen quick. That makes sense. I would say look into where the legislation is pushing the most and then you, you will very quickly find where this EV strategic shift will impact uh, the market. Super. Yeah. So wrapping things up, mm-hmm. what are the key takeaways for from this conversation for anybody involved in fuel loyalty looking to adapt to current trends? And what recommendations can you give to those looking to set up new loyalty and rewards engagement programs in this changing landscape? Three things. The first one is make it simple for your customer base to participate. You are only one out of X number of schemes in the market. So make it simple for them because they shouldn't be spending the next 25 hours to be reading into what can I get out of it or understanding it. Make it simple. The second thing is make it attractive to customers. And when I'm saying attractive, it's probably not so much on the earn, it's more on the burn side. Make it relevant to them. But these are hygiene factors. The differentiator will come in terms of personalization and how you are dealing with the consumer data, what you're going to be doing with the consumer data. 
that's probably where the, where the focus should be. This means quite often quite a dramatic shift in terms of IT, in terms of teams capability, in terms of data analytics, how do you do, how do you, how do you make decisions? So it's not easy, it's, it's taking time, but that's where the value is, is going to be going forward. Brilliant, that sums it up beautifully, Olivier. I've really enjoyed talking to you. Thank you. And there's, there's definitely, and please excuse the pun, fuel for thought there. So uh, thank you. Yes. <laughs> okay, thanks. Welcome. You're very welcome. Okay, so thanks so much for listening to the Loy Logic podcast. Now you'll find more great insights and helpful content about global loyalty and reward solutions at loylogic.com. There you'll also find a transcript of this podcast. Further episodes of our podcast will be added to all of the usual podcast channels. And if you have a topic that you would like us to cover or a question you would like to ask, don't hesitate to get in touch via loylogic.com. Thank you again for listening and we look forward to welcoming you back soon.